to another Perusia podcast. I am Shabal Reish, your host, and very excited today. After many years, we've had uh, our guest uh, over in Australia uh, about four years ago now, uh, recording uh, Theology of Body courses and, and teaching about Theology of Body. It is none other than the author of this book, The Body Reveals God, a good friend, professor on this area, Katrina Zeno. Hello, Katrina. How are Hello, you? Hello, Shabal. I am fabulous. And I am just so delighted to be with you and with those who are listening. Can I just say I have missed my Aussie friends so, so much because COVID kind of just shut all my travel down to Australia and I haven't been back. And so it's just a joy, a joy to be with you, a joy to be with you. Yeah, thank you. We we miss you too, uh, Katrina. It's been way too long and we're looking forward to having you back one day. Yeah. Um, yeah, COVID wonderful. really did uh, slow things down and put put a span in the works. But but thank God, um, it, during that time, we've been very busy um, editing this this uh, course. You've been you you basically gave in 2018, I believe. Uh, it was back it then, was, was July it 2018? 2018. Well, what you did, you gave a, a very a, a, an in depth course on theology of the body. We finally have been able to edit it and then package it as part of the Perusia Academy, which. We're very excited about the academy just launched just over a year ago. There's over uh, six courses now, 12-hour courses, um, and uh, we've got in there one of them featuring a Christopher West introduction to theology of the body, and there's a range of other topics on bioethics, on um, apologetics, on the creed, on Christology. There's a range of areas there, faith and science. But uh, we have your course, and we're excited. It's like the the, the follow-up to the introduction and we're calling it a scuba dive into the theology of the body. And now it's available right now uh, at the Perusia uh, Academy uh, website. And people can go on our website and they click on it. And uh, this is it, the February launch of Theology of the Body, a, a scuba dive by yourself. I'm excited because what, what's unusual this year, Katrina, is we, we typically, you know, we might promote Theology of the Body amongst Scripture and amongst apologetics and amongst all the other areas that we we provide but this year 2023 unusually uh there's almost like this overflowing um uh emphasis on theology body so we had uh the big announcement in january was tobit is now available in australia so monica ashour uh was on this podcast uh sort of second week of january and so she announced the the launch of tobit which is now available full curriculum for primary Age children and early high school, and you. I understand you were sort of involved in, in yes, advising I have been her there involved and in an her. ongoing way. I consult for her and you know help um, with some of the language and uh, even help use them in my own diocese of Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm a huge fan of Tobit um, because you can just open the books and read them to your children yes. that's the most or in the classroom that's the or if you're a grandparent it's the most wonderful thing so um hurrah that uh tobit has made it to australia that's wonderful uh, finally i remember you mentioning it years ago and we just it's taken this long but we finally have launched it sort of in sync with your academy course uh, the other big thing that happened was christopher west arrived in january and he gave um, just some some of his more popular made for more uh, events. So just to sort of give people a, a taste test about what Theology Body is and promoting the Theology Body Institute. So that was really good for for Sydney, Melbourne, and and having him come to Australia to do that. Uh, and then um, 
I know that uh, we've got other programs and other areas in the church promoting theology of the body. But now, here we are, the deep dive in and scuba dive in theology of the body. Uh, and we're super excited because it, a lot of uh, blood, sweat and tears, a lot of effort's gone in there. This course is so deep uh, and so thorough. You've covered so much ground in this course. And um, there is just so much for, for a student to get out of this. Uh, and I remember even our, our team, Miguel, was commenting as he was editing it. He, he initially was saying, there's so many slides, <laughs> you know, and there's animation. There's so much work to go involved in this. But by the end of it, he was saying, wow. I mean, he was moved as the editor. And, 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 and sorry, Miguel, to <laughs> highlight that. But it was, it was just wonderful. Um, and so I'm excited for the students out there to be able to, to learn. So can we dive into the deep dive, <laughs> scuba dive in Theology Body course with you? Um, and I'd love to just start with just the obvious, I mean, why this approach? Uh, you have a unique approach. Why the approach you take in this course? Well, you, you already said you gave it away. It's a scuba, you know, I call it scuba diving with John Paul II. And the reason is, is because, of course, there are many ways to approach. Well, let me just show people what theology of the body is if they've never seen it. So I have to apologize. Um, it's rather beat up. And what you normally, it doesn't normally have these rings on it. But because mine was falling apart, I had to rebind it. Um, but Theology of the Body is this rather thick book uh, of 133 Wednesday audiences that Pope John Paul II gave in Rome. From 1979 to 1984, so, you know, a really significant time ago now. But what we see over church history is anything that is really significant because it's dense takes a while to unfold in the life of the church. And so people are like, well, gosh, you know, like 40 some years ago. Well, if you think about the church has been around for 2000 years what's 40 years in terms of the history of the church. And that, as I said, is pretty typical. So, but as you can see, I always say, I will never run out of work, you know, because, you know, it's pretty, it's dense and it's pretty thick. So, and notice that the formal title is man and woman, he created them. And then the subtitle is a theology of the body. And John Paul II himself uses theology of the body as his working title, even in his in his reflections. So as a matter of fact, he uses the term theology of the body 99 times in these 133 short little talks. Uh, and so that's why everyone refers to it as the theology of the body. But as you can see, with something that thick, there's so many ways to approach it. So I like to think of it as we could water ski, you know, across the surface. And that would be like trying to take that big book and in an hour, just skimming across the surface. That's super helpful because for people who really maybe don't have any kind of background in theology or even in faith or, you know, they had some religious ed classes when they were young, but, you know, not much as an adult, they're not ready to go scuba diving. You know, it's like, you know, just kind of give me the overview. So that's one approach is to water ski across the surface. Another is, okay, you can tell I love water and giving this course in Australia was so fantastic because the whole, the whole country is surrounded by water and you have the Great Barrier Reef. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of a natural image. So instead of water skiing across the surface, we could scoop it. We could, sorry, go snorkeling. So, you know, you put the snorkel gear on, but 
you know, now you're under the water, but you're still on the surface, but it allows you to see more of what's, you know, not immediately evident um, from just the surface. So we could do some snorkeling and that would take you a little bit deeper into theology of the bite. But then, right, the real challenge is scuba diving, just like going to the Great Barrier Reef. Okay, it's fantastic to snorkel, but oh my goodness, the difference between snorkeling and scuba diving, you can really go down deep and explore and see details that you don't normally see. So that's what we did uh, in this course. It was actually uh, taped or over five days. So the poor people who attended it, you know, I mean, it was really a deep, deep dive and we had to come up for air a couple times. And I think the beauty probably of having it um, as an academy course is the fact that people don't have to sit there, you know, straight for six hours, you know, and take it in, but they can take it in smaller increments. But but that's the approach that I took is this deep dive, because what it allows us to do and the students will discover is we can um, make connections and really begin to grasp aspects of our faith that maybe we didn't have such a uh, profound understanding of before. Or maybe we just even questioned um, why they were even so significant or do we really have to like embrace this as a Catholic? Can it just kind of sit on the side? Uh, and the answer is we want it all as, as Catholics and as Christians, and we want to be able to bring it to our family, our friends, just someone you meet, you know, on, on the street or sit next to um, at, a, at an event. And part of what Theology of the Body does is it and why it's so difficult is that John Paul II uses a whole different kind of language in representing the truths of our faith, but really in a fresh way. Thank you for that that opening. Because um, what I want to what I want to open up here for people is is you, you can learn and you can you can sort of ski, uh, as you say. I love those analogies. And there are many other introductory uh, books. We have the Introduction to Theology Body in our academy for people to sort of start there. But this is a scuba dive. And what I noticed, uh, typically for most of our um, courses, you know, th there might be up to 12 lessons, you know, 12 one-hour lessons. And, and that's sort of the standard. In this one, it's 21 lessons. And you cover so much. So why a course with such a wide range of content? What, why do you go so wide-reaching? Could you open and unpack that for us? Well, I think um, to bounce off of what I just said before, it's because John Paul II is introducing a new language to, to deepen, but also to help us look from a different angle, you know, a different perspective, um, and also uh, to steep in his thought. So the, one of the images I use throughout the scuba dive, um, besides scuba diving, is the idea of tea steeping. So I have my glass here and I have my tea bag and I have my hot water. Um, so this is what I did at the very beginning of the course is I um, took a glass, poured the water into it and put a tea bag in it. And I told everyone, okay, we're gonna steep in theology of the body for five days. After five days, what would happen to this water? with the tea bag in it, Charbel. 
That's a, that's exactly right because it's saturated with the tea. So really the whole, perhaps we could say goal or beauty of theology of the body, it's not just something that we read and take in intellectually. It's actually something that our whole person is meant to steep in. And it's meant to really transform every part of who we are. And so it takes a while to do that. And part of what mediates that is this new language. Um, I heard a father once on a radio interview talk about having to make the decision to send his, his daughter who was deaf, who was three years old away um, to, to a boarding school uh, where she would be there during the week and then home only on the weekends. And he said it was a really tough decision for his, he and his wife. And when the interviewer asked him, you know, well, why did he finally to make the, de make the decision? He said something that I've never forgotten. He said he want, because he wanted her to have language because being deaf, she, she wouldn't have language. And he said, because if she had language, she could think. And if she could think, then she could choose. And if she could choose, then she could love. I was like, wow. Like, wow. Okay. If we have language, we can think. And if we can think, we can choose. And if we can choose, we can love. So theology of the body is really about learning this whole new language so we can think differently. And if we can think in this richer, more beautiful, deeper way, then we can choose differently. And if we can choose differently, then we can love differently. But it takes a long time to do that. And so that's why 21 hours. Think of it like as if you were learning Spanish. You wouldn't expect to learn Spanish just like in eight hours or 12 hours. And well, you think, okay, maybe by 21 hours, you know, I'd start to get it. Well, that's really kind of what it's like is that we're learning a new language, even though it's English, it, it feels a bit foreign. Very good. Uh, it does, uh, understandably, because it is a new language, do you find there are people in the world that just don't understand it? And sometimes it's a little bit, um, sometimes the walls go up and it's like, oh, I don't like, I don't understand how this is being said. And right away, sometimes people don't even scratch the surface with theology, right? and they just sort of judge it and say, no, that's not for me. Or I don't, it's, it's a little bit, you know, out there. And so you have some, some people uh, that just don't understand it and it's foreign to them. Um, could you speak to that? Like just a, a, a bit about, I mean, you sort of covered that, but what would you say to those who just are not um, not sure about theology body? They feel like, oh, it's it's a little bit, uh, um, it's, it's it's not what they're used to. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's a good um, point. how do we address that? Because among Catholics as well. Um, I think the, the greatest mistake is when people get the impression that theology of the body is all about sex. So, you know, it really only applies if you're married or, um, you know, if you're trying to learn how to um, live chastity. And what I like to say, I, I will ask people, okay, who here has a body? Raise your hand. Okay. I'm assuming, Charbel, you have a body, so you would raise your hand. And, I, and then I'd say, okay, if you have a body, then theology of the body applies to you. Because it's about our human embodiment. So at the beginning of the course, um, so I'm a teacher, I just cannot help it. It's like 
both my natural skill, but I've been teaching on theology of the body for almost 25 years. And so you learn a, a thing or two over the course of time. And, and that's the other thing I'd say is that because theology of the body is very complex, it really makes a difference how it's presented. Um, and for a lot of people, um, they present it from a more experiential viewpoint. And because I'm a teacher, I'm a catechist, I'm just enamored of our faith. And I want to try to present our faith in, in a sequential and logical way. And so what that means is that you have to begin kind of at the beginning and you have to begin with learning some basic concepts and basic language. And that takes time. But again, what you find is, well, then that helps you along the way because you can build your knowledge base. So that's what I'm trying to help people do is use theology, the body to broaden and deepen their knowledge base of scripture and of our Catholic um, faith. And so I began Theology of the Body, this course, by asking two questions. And they have to write it down in their workbook because it's kind of like, you know, the pretest and then, you know, the final. Um, and I asked them, okay, in your workbook, um, write down the answer to this question. What is the meaning and purpose of human embodiment? In other words, why did God create us male and female? And, you know, give them some time to write that down. Because, first of all, the word embodiment is not really something that common that we use. And yet, as a theology of the body, another way of saying it is it's a theology of embodiment. In other words, how does the fact that we are embodied persons, how do our embodied persons reveal God? Or to quote the title of a book I wrote, the body reveals God. I think you might have a copy of it. <laughs> there, it there it is right there. <laughs> right, so, yeah, it's a great recommended resource for this course as well, by the way. Yeah, so. it actually is helpful. It's not repetitive, although you will find, you know, there's this great complementarity um, between it. Because again, as a teacher, I'm always learning new things and new ways to present things. Um, and so this is, this is the question. And isn't it interesting, Sherbo, because it's the question of our age. Isn't the question of, the, of our age, like, what's the meaning and purpose of my body? Is it just something that I self-construct and that I shape it into whatever I want it to look like and whatever I want it to express? Or, you know, is, isn't my body just like a tool? that I can use to get whatever pleasure or benefit or advantage that I want. So isn't it fascinating that John Paul II back in the 1970s already understood that human embodiment was one of the central issues of our age. And so, that, so that's what I asked. Okay, give me an answer. And I, I bet you can guess. What do you think most people say is the meaning and purpose of the fact that God created us male and female? What do you think they probably say? I mean, just just the basic idea of procreation would be one. Uh, um, that's that's one angle. That yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much it for most people. I mean, what else is there? Well, you know what, John Paul II, 
says that there's a whole lot else that, and the way he looks at it is exactly this truth that it's our bodies that reveal God. Now, now that's usually a new idea for most people because we, even our language in the church reminds us constantly that our soul is made in God's image and likeness. That because God is spirit, pure spirit, God is immaterial, and our soul or our spirit is immaterial, well, then that's the part of us that's made in God's image and likeness. And John Paul II says, yes, and it's also our body. So what he does in Theology of the Body, actually what I really love about Theology of the Body is that it's really one long scripture study. So you can tell my Bible looks about like my theology of the body, my two most prized possessions. Maybe they'll bury me with them. You know, one, you know, one arm around each, each book, my Bible and theology of the body, because they, they go together. So John Paul II, theology of the body is based in scripture and human experience. This is partly what makes it um, new in a way, is that he's making this marriage between scripture and human experience to show us, okay, why did God always and only create us as either male or female? And what do they mean together? One time I was talking with my spiritual director, this was years ago, but it was a life-changing moment. And I said to him, I understand how men image God because, you know, God the Father, we call him Father and Jesus was a man. But I said to him, but I don't understand how I as a woman image God. And he looked at me and he said, Katrina, it is man and woman together that image God. It was a paradigm shift in my life. And that's what theology of the body is. It's a paradigm shift that it's not just our immaterial soul that images God, but it's actually our sexually differentiated body that images God and reveals God and men in a particular way and women in a particular way. And then man and women together, which is what Genesis 1:27 says. God created man in his image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. That is the foundation of theology of the body. So really, I like to say theology of the body is 133 Wednesday audiences given over five years to just unpack, unpack, feel, unpack, sorry, unpack Genesis 1:27. How is it that we're made in the image and likeness and here's the key of a Trinitarian God as male or female. So think of it like just spending the rest of your life scuba diving in the Great Barrier Reef and just discovering treasure after treasure and beauty after beauty. Um, it, it is so important what you, just, just what you touched on there in today's world. I mean, we're having an identity crisis today um, and many people are not sure who they are and, and, and lots of... Um, Lots of media outlets, lots of pe lots of propaganda out there, really pushing people into a box right now. And and, and but now th there's so many contradictions within who we are, what we are. We can sort of make it up, and it's it, it can be very fluid at the same time, uh, very much uh, dictated to us by by others. And so, 
we are in an identity crisis. Could does theology of the body help us? I guess discover our true identity. And I know you touched there a little bit on image and likeness of God. You've touched on uh, the Trinity and and male and female, but. Is there any more you could say that? How does it like really all kind of go together? Whole identity of the human person. <laughs> yes. How does it like all kind of go together? <laughs> yes. So I'm so grateful again for having had many years to try to delve into this and and also just teach and articulate on it. And a number of years ago, I hit upon something I call the identity cascade. I mean, I had no idea we were, you know, moving toward this identity crisis. And so the identity cascade, if you think of a waterfall cascading down, and at the top, it starts with who is God? And then that cascades into who am I? And that cascades into what am I created for? And that cascades into how should I act? And the most obvious thing that we can point out is where does the, cas- the identity cascade start? Does it start with me? It, it starts with who is God? But part of the problem in our whole cultural discussion about identity is that it's not permissible to bring God into the conversation. We want to delete that from this understanding of identity. And we wanna just say that I and my feelings and my desires, um, that they are the only input into who am I and therefore how I should act. And therefore, what is the main purpose of my body? So what, what you have, Do you know, like we talk about free radicals in the body that like that they're a problem because they're just kind of uh, loosened. They don't have any mooring. And so they can just um, travel through the body and cause damage um, because they're not they're not held in their place within the structure of the body in the way that they should be. Well, that's what we've done with human identity. We've made it like a free radical that it can just move anywhere it wants and it has no tethering. It has no grounding. It doesn't even have a permanence to it because as you said, it can be fluid, it can change. And so it's causing great, great harm. And the one reality that will anchor and ground everything which is God is Trinity, is the one thing we're not permitted to bring into the public discussion. So we can see how we have our work cut out for us. But part of what we have to do as a church is rediscover who God is as a Trinity and how to describe God as Trinity and therefore how we're made in the image and likeness of a Trinitarian God. I love that. You do actually uh, deal with this topic in the course. Uh, so many people forget the fact, yeah, I mean, this is deep theology here, but you're touching on the, the Trinity. And I love the examples you used in the course. Um, really enjoyed those. And uh, there's a whole session, a whole class. Now, I don't know if <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, do you have your props? <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, got, you use different examples, but do you mind giving us a little taste of, yeah, how do you describe the Trinity mm-hmm. uh, and how do we understand it as Catholics? 
One of the great invitations of John Paul II in Theology of the Body, he's deeply Trinitarian. And one of the things that most people don't realize is, or don't necessarily remember, is that John Paul II was the one who commissioned the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And in many ways, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is John Paul II's Theology of the Body. But because it doesn't say, and now we're going to talk about Theology of the Body, people don't realize it. But if you read the Catechism with a deep sensitivity for looking for tr the Trinity, it's everywhere, everywhere. And that's John Paul II. So this is really the gift that he gave us, his lasting legacy, is he brought the church back to a Trinitarian focus. And he said, how is it that the human person is created in the image and likeness of a Trinitarian God? So that was for me, when I first encountered theology of the body, this was back way in the 90s, mid 90s. This was the first thing I had to grapple with is, well, what's my understanding of the Trinity? And like I said, okay, I understand how, you know, men are made in the image of God because he's a male, but how can I be made in the image of God as a woman? And the trick was John Paul II's language. Um, this is a really, really important document. Um, let's see if I can hold this up so it can be, there we go. It's called On the Dignity and Vocation of Women. And it's also by John Paul II. Um, it's an apostolic uh, exhortation. And what a lot of people don't realize is it's a beautifully synthesized version of Theology of the Body. So I tell everyone, don't start with the big book, right? Start with this. Look, it's, it's much easier on the dignity and vocation of women because in here is, and this came after Theology of the Body, in here is his Trinitarian theology where he talks about how the inner life of God is a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, living in a communion of persons. But then he talks about what that communion of persons is. And the key for that communion of persons is my favorite word, and I hope every person's favorite word who takes the course, it's gift. Like John Paul II's Theology of the Body, the central word is gift. Why? because that's what he says is the inner life of the Trinity. So I'm gonna say a whole bunch of words to describe the inner life of the Trinity. And again, I just wanna encourage everyone, it's in the body reveals God or take you know the academy course. Um, and yeah, it, I hope that it will become second nature to everyone. So here's the way using John Paul II's language from theology of the body. Um, that I described the inner life of the Trinity. So to say God is Trinity means the Father pours himself out in a total gift of love to the Son. The Son pours himself out in a total gift of love to the Father. And the Holy Spirit bursts forth or overflows as the fruit of their total self-giving love. So I know that you don't have this cereal in Australia. I'm so sorry for you because this is like the most valuable prop that I own. Of course, not in monetary terms, but in terms of what it captures. Because in a cereal box, here's the inner life of God. Who is God as Trinity? Total gift of self in love. So that's our foundation. Who is God as a Trinity? Total gift of self in love. If I as a woman, Katrina Zeno, 
is made in the image and likeness of a Trinitarian God, then guess what I am made for? Total gift of self in love. And it doesn't take being married to be able to do that. You see, every person, so I'm about to start um, a theology body series for my parish where the average age is, are you ready for this? The average age is 72 in the parish where I work. So, you know, most people are thinking, how does theology of the body apply to them? Well, guess what? Every person is made for total gift of self and love. So I'm about to start a, a, um, a theology of the body course entitled Theology of the Body for Everyone, because it is for everyone. So my granddaughter is now a little over three and a half. When she was two, I started teaching her that she was a gift. We started playing with bows. I had I took a whole bunch of bows with me when I would visit her and we'd we'd line them up, you know, we'd we'd look at the red bows and show me the purple bow and what's where's the blue bow? And I'd say, Grammy is a gift. And satin is a gift, and Grammy is a gift, and satin is a gift. Because at two, I wanted her to start learning what she's not going to learn from our culture, which is that she is a gift and her body is a gift. Because it's only through our embodiment as male or female that we image a Trinitarian God. I, I can't do that just with, with my soul. Like, we wouldn't be recording this if I was only a soul, where, where would my soul be? I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, every day I have this little pin of St. Mary McKellop. Every day I put it on my bed and I pray for Australia. And every evening I take it off my bed and I pray for Australia. That's how much Australia means to me. If I had only a soul, I couldn't do that, you, you know, and so I, I embodiment because it's through, see, I'm still trying to make a gift of self to Australia, even though I live, you know, 14 hours away by plane, by praying for you and your country every day, just through this little pin that reminds me. And I can do that because I have been entrusted with my body. So that's why we have to start with who is God? Because only when we deepen our understanding of who God is, not an old man with a long white beard. Who wants to be made in the image and likeness of an old man with a long white beard? I mean, certainly not me. Um, but who wants to be made in the image and likeness of a God who's a total gift of self and love? Oh, me, me, me and every single person. So this is, this is why it all starts there. But again, the challenge in this whole identity area is our culture wants to say that, no, you can't bring God in the picture, but notice, unless we bring God in the picture, into the picture, we'll never fully understand who we are. Uh, I, I, um... I hope this is wetting people's appetite of what to expect in this course because we're only like equivalent to you have panels in this course so you talk about uh, panels um, and we I think we're still in panel one uh, but uh, are we able to are you able to outline maybe for us um, what are these different panels that you do in the course there's there's a few mm -hmm. of them there's, 
six, I believe, or is it more? Yeah, no, it's six. Good for you, right? So jump, yeah. So the reason I call them panels, John Paul II calls them chapters, but it gets a little confusing because if you call them chapters, they're two chapter ones and two chapter twos and two chapter threes. So, um, and it's because he, you know, think of it like Old Testament, New Testament. There are two parts to it. And so the first half is three chapters, one, two, and three. And the second half is three chapters, one, two, and three. Um, so I, I have chosen to use the language of panels. And the reason is, is because the first half, which has three chapters, or let's just use the language of panels, three panels, John Paul II calls it a triptych. Now, a triptych is a three-paneled altarpiece or painting. Like we often see them around Christmas, how you'll see, you know, something that has three panels. There's Mary and Jesus in the middle, and then one panel might have the shepherds and the other panel might have the wise men. So you have, you know, a triptych, three panels. And he uses that word to describe the first half. Now, he does not use that word to describe the second half. So whenever, whenever he says the triptych, he means the first three panels. So that's where I um, encountered the language of panel in relationship to triptych. And so just adopted it for all the whole structure of theology of the body. So we can say that it has six panels. And so we've talked some about, we've just kind of skimmed over the surface of what's in the first panel. And it's partly because what I've tried to do which is what I try to do in the course, is to give initially, again, just some foundational concepts. Um, you know, like what, what does theology of the body mean? Like when we say theology of the body, okay, you hear those words, but what do those words mean? Well, very simply, in Katrina Zeno's translation, those words mean the body reveals God. Okay, that's your cue to raise the book. <laughs> Simply, right? Theology of the body means, there you go, thank you. The body reveals God. And so all the rest of theology of the body is going to be how does the body reveal God through this total gift of self and love that includes the body. So in the first panel, um, John Paul II lays out God's original wise and beautiful plan in the beginning. So what was God's plan? Uh, when he first created Adam and Eve, and that's Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And he takes us through both of them. Remember, it's a, it's a scripture study in a manner of speaking. And so he shows how man and woman were created, first of all, male and female, in God's image and likeness, that were created of both body and spirit, right? The dust from the ground and God breathed into us the breath of life. So I like to say we're this unique body-spirit combo or we're this unique body-spirit unity. That's why we can't only think of the soul as imaging God. Be because a soul without a body is not a human person. It, it, a soul needs a body and a body needs a soul. They go together. Um, so that, so, And then how Adam and Eve related to each other in a total transparency, which is what the scripture, they were naked and not ashamed means. It means that when they looked at each other, that they were able to see in the actual structure of their body as male and female, that their bodies told them they were made 
for this gift of self and love to each other. So we're actually made for, um, we're made for relationship. Often, again, we talk about the human person as being rational. And if we are following John Paul II's logic, what we have to say is the human person is not only rational, but also relational. God is a communion of persons. We're created in his image and likeness. That means we're created for relationship. We're, cre we're created, I'd like to say, for union and communion through this gift of self. So that's the first panel. Um, the second panel, then, he moves right on in scripture, Genesis 3, the fall. You know, that Adam and Eve, he says something very beautiful, although it's tragic. He says, Adam and Eve turned their back on God love. So that we often think of sin as a sin of pride. It, it's that. But John Paul II, again, shifts the perspective. It's a sin against love. It's a sin against relationship. They were in covenant relationship with God. And that's what they chose to transgress. So you can see how John Paul II shifts the language. So instead of talking about pride, he's going to talk about how the body is wounded in its ability to make a gift of self in love. Whoa, it's a very different way of talking about the effects of original sin, how it wounds our relationality and therefore um, his like my favorite word, so I'm going to give away some of my visual aids here. So here's, this is an egg separator. So it's really simple. Sin separates. It separates. It separates us from God, separates us from each other, separates us, our body and spirit uh, within our very person. Okay, but we don't end there because that's only panel two. And actually panel two has two parts to it. So even though there's six panels, there are eight sections. You can see why it takes 21 hours to really do a deep dive through. Very simply, the second panel, if the first part of panel two is really the bad news of sin, then the second part is the good news, the great news about redemption. But notice that because he looks at sin as that which ruptures and separates, well, then redemption has to be not just a redemption of the soul, but the redemption of our whole embodied person. Can, can I just say, like, beginning to take that into account, again, was a paradigm shift for me. You mean, you mean Jesus came to save my body? Uh-huh. Yes, not, not your soul without a body. How do you think that we think, Charbel? Like in your experience, how do you think most people think about salvation? Yeah, Jesus died on the cross uh, for our sins. I'm a sinner and I'm now set free. And uh, he died, he paid for the sin. He paid for the price. He took on all the suffering for us. Um, and then the Catholic theology will then will then try to unite that suffering. So we'll, we'll go that next step and try unite. But that's interesting because the suffering happens not only uh, mentally or spiritually, but it is also a physical suffering associated with it. So your body is actually involved in in co you know co redemption, so to speak. You know, um, offering things up. Yeah, no, that's, exactly, that's interesting. Thing. That's right. Your body is actually involved in the process of redemption. Yeah. 
And so the yeah. that that part his reflections on salvation, on redemption, he specifically says is about the redemption of the body and life in the spirit. Uh, so again, it's mm. like I'm sorry, it's just like so glorious because he takes yeah. us again scuba diving. It's like he says, "Oh, look at that over there. Let's go explore it." You know, maybe you've kind of seen it at a distance, but let's go look at its beauty and its intricacy and detail. And that's what he does with redemption of the body. And so it's this idea that um, everything, like I like to ask the question, what's what, what did Christ come to redeem? And the answer is everything, everything. So everything. body, yeah. soul, spirit, intellect, will, emotion imagination, memory, desire. He came to redeem your desire, your arrows. Oh my gosh. Whoever talks about redeemed arrows? Have you ever heard a talk? Maybe you have, because you get to host lots of speakers. <laughs> you know, but, but uh, you know, exploring the arrows, like that our sexual desire that, gosh, when I realized that John Paul II is saying something very different, it was, it was distressing <laughs> at first. Because don't we think the body is the problem? Like hmm. if I- We all think we die, our soul leaves the body and it's in heaven and, and that's it. And then you, you, your body decays on earth and, and it's, it's food for worms and it's done. But no, there will be a reunification of the body and soul in heaven. So if it's that important, if it's so important for Jesus to ascend, Our Lady to assume, be assumed into heaven, it's important. So we're going to have a reunification of the body and soul. So it just sort of, yeah, it says a lot what you're saying. That was a great uh, overview of that first half of the course. Now there is a second half, as you described, and we're running out of time. I only got about five or six minutes here, but just wondering, could you give us a bit of a taste about what to expect in the second half of this course? Sure, that's easy. It's all about this. It's all about marriage. So, which is why a lot of people think the theology of the body is principally for married people. And, and when they get that impression, it's often because whoever they've heard talk or what they've read, they focus in on the second half and so the reader, the listener doesn't even know this whole first half exists. Uh, and so that's partly why you could tell I'm a little passionate about the first um, <laughs> half because it lays the whole foundation. And, you know, a lot of people think that theology of the body um, doesn't really have a structure to it or John Paul II is just going all over the place. And, and actually it's really quite logically organized because what he does then is take this first half in which he's looked at the meaning and purpose of human embodiment as total gift of self and love all the way up into eternity, both body and spirit. And now he's going to look at how does this embodiment um, play out in the sacrament of marriage? So again, based on your question about, well, what, you know, for a long time, we just kind of focused on the mystical union of the soul with um, Christ and not the whole embodied person. But what John Paul II wants to 
redirect our attention is how the embodied person makes all the difference in marriage. Um, so just give, you know, so here we'll, we'll, we'll switch from kind of snorkeling and scuba diving. Let's just skim the surface. So let's do some, some quick water skiing. Um, so again, we can't have marriage without a body. I don't know that we've ever thought about that, but if you think about it, when two people get married on their wedding night, the husband doesn't say to the wife, oh, honey, come sit beside me, you know, here. And he doesn't usually look in her eyes and say, honey, I'm so happy we get to be one spirit with each other for the rest of our lives. So we get to have this wonderful union of souls. Good night. It's <laughs> not the way the story ends. So marriage is about the meaning and purpose of human embodiment that spousal love, what's distinct about spousal love is it's the total gift of self in love that includes the body. This is what we've lost in our culture is that we have decided to redefine marriage and to redefine spousal love, that it does not have to include the totality of self-giving in the body. So John Paul II is going to help us understand how marriage, how these two are images of each other. So in panel four, he's going to look at how if we look at marriage, it helps us understand something about Christ's love for the church. And what is it that it helps us understand? That spousal love is the totality of self-giving through the body. And so if we look at marriage, it should help us understand Christ's love for the church and each one of us. Because this on the cross, this is actually a spousal gift of self. Christ on the cross because he's making a total gift of self in love that includes the body. This is a spousal reality, a spousal gift of self, which is why Christ is the divine bridegroom. So, so John Paul II says, marriage is a small s sacrament, meaning when we look at marriage, it's a sacred sign or symbol that tells us about Christ's love for us as spousal. And then he turns it around and says, well, that Christ's love for us is not only spousal, but redemptive. And that means marriage is not only um, spousal, but redemptive. And that takes us into the next panel where he looks at marriage as a capital S sacrament. So one of the seven sacraments, meaning that marriage is a channel of grace. So a lot of times we don't, I don't know if we really grasp what it means that this, that marriage is a channel of grace. Okay, so hold on. Very, very simply, John Paul II says that to say that marriage is a channel of grace and a capitalist sacrament means that the marital one flesh union, the total gift of self and love in the body that occurs in the marital act that act is one of the sacramental signs of marriage. What does that mean? It means just like when we pour water in baptism, that that water actually communicates grace, divine life and love. John Paul II is making the case that when husband and wife in a sacramental marriage enter into the beautiful act of love that is the one flesh union, that's the total gift of self and love of the body, that communicates grace.
Okay, I'm just going to stop there because that just is a little teaser. And it is, <laughs> it's, um, but you can see how it takes all of theology of the body to get there. If I just started with that, you know what? It sounds like we're sexualizing God and we're sexualizing grace, but we're not. We're sacramentalizing marriage and grace. Yes. We're saying because the body reveals God, because the body can be a sacrament. In other words, it yes. can communicate divine life and love. Remember the spiritual and the physical go together. The body and the spirit go together. Okay, last panel. I love it. <laughs> I mean, it really, can I just say that I had studied theology of the body for, oh gosh, I don't know, 16 years before I really caught that that's what John Paul II was saying, because he doesn't come right out and say it. Um, and you'll see in the course, we'll see how he says it yes. and therefore how we can understand it in the way it just naturally blends in with everything else. And if we've been steeping in theology of the body, you realize, of course, of course. I mean, the one flesh union is holy. It's a holy union Absolutely. and communion. It's not, remember, John Balthus says we want to redeem Eros. Yes. Well, that's part of redeemed Eros is the fact that this one flesh union can actually communicate divine life and love. All right, final, final section. John Balthus takes everything now and he applies it to um, marital chastity. In other words, how do we live this redemption of the body? How do we live the fact that marriage is meant to be an image of Christ's love for the church? It's also an image of the inner life of the Trinity. And, and how do we live that out? And how does Humanae Vitae, which is Paul VI encyclical on the transmission, the responsible transmission of human life, how does that all fit in with everything John Paul II has been saying? And his brilliance is, again, language, right? If we have language, we can think. If we can think, we can choose. If we can choose, we can love. So we can see that all of this is about increasing and expanding our ability to love through the body. And so, of course, we need to look at the responsible transmission of human life. And John Paul II introduces this concept of the language of the body in very Simply, he says, we can tell either a truth or a lie with the language of the body. Just like we can tell, we can say a truth or a lie with our human words, our body also has a language. And so, very simply, when we interfere with the one flesh union, this total act of love through the body that characterizes spousal love and we interfere to make that act sterile in other words prevent it from transmitting human life then we lie with the language of the body because we're no longer making a total gift of self in love we're no longer respecting the fact that marriage is a capital s sacrament that can communicate not only natural human life but divine supernatural life. And we're lying about Christ's gift of self on the cross, that this is a life giving. In the giving of his body, he gives us life. So, I mean, 
there's so much for us to discover and rediscover through theology of the body and how beautiful it is that it it brings us to this point again of looking at spousal love and the meaning and purpose of the one flesh union and why it characterizes marriage, which again is what our culture wants to just eliminate from the world stage, that marriage yes, can be whatever right. we want to define it and it can be between any two bodies and therefore a man and a man can't make a total gift of self and love that includes the one flesh union in the body and neither can a woman and a woman. And certainly if you bring three people in it, into it, which is what's now also occurring, well, how's that a totality of self-giving to just one person? It's not. So that's the way it all comes back around to human identity, to human embodiment and the body revealing God, even in the bedroom, even in the beautiful one flesh union. Yeah, you got your cue. Congratulations. Yes. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> there it is. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, thank you so much, Katrina. Um, I love it. You did bring it back full circle. We talked at the start about how we've, you know, we can't forget, I mean, God, we're made in the image and likeness of God and that we're the source. He is the source. But then describing who God is and then that discovering who we are made in, in his image. And then the whole ending up with this idea of marriage, which is the ultimate end anyway, in heaven, right? <laughs> the banquet, the wedding feast in heaven, all oh, this right. marriage imagery. That's right. Wow. And I have, wow. I've taken John Paul II's thoughts on heaven and I've worked at expanding them so that we can um, consider how our ultimate destiny and why we need a glorified body so that we can actually yes. fully yes. live out this spousal relationship with Christ, even in eternity. And wow, wow. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wow. Much wow. Well, I want, please know of our prayers, uh, Katrina, we're praying for you and God bless you with all that you do. And thank you so much for doing this course, being with us in this, in this podcast. Um, I want to invite anyone watching. Um, we are excited that it's officially launching. This is it. The, the scuba dive into theology of the body. It is with Katrina Zeno. It's an absolutely amazing course um, on Theology Body. Do yourself a favor. Go to perusiamedia.com, click on Academy, look for this course, the Scuba Dive uh, into Theology Body. For $99, you get 12 months access. You get to watch and, and watch all the lessons. For $149, um, you get to keep the content, and then all you got to do is then you can get an assessment. So you ask uh, the assessment questions, you answer that, and then you get a certificate of completion. This goes towards a, a larger certificate from us in the academy. And once you get that certificate, this is 12 courses now, you will have options to either go into, we're partnering with Camping College with ways of getting into their uh, Camping College. It also will work with different dioceses and we're working to expand how many are going to approve this, but hopefully catechists, evangelists, teachers, and others will be able to get some benefit from the qualification of this certificate so please pray as we are expanding the Perusia Academy um, and we're super excited at this point in time it's almost like divine providence it, it, God was waiting for this moment for this course to be released um, and you, I couldn't have asked for a better time because it's now while people are more open to learning theology of the body and so this is like perfect <laughs> so thank you um, Katrina the, the, the timing is providential it's, I'm excited about what this is going to do for the future of not just Australia but around the world and, um, 
And, and, and just for those who want to contact you, where can they go? Is there a website where you could point yeah, them? Thank you. So um, my professional email is tobspeaker, so like Theology of the Body, tobspeaker uh, yes. uh, yes. at gmail.com. And I also have a website, right. which right. is simply my name, so www.katrinazeno.com. And then I also have a YouTube channel, so you can just search on YouTube on my name, and lots of stuff there, but it would be much better to uh, take the Academy course because it's uh, much more sequential and deeper. And if I could just add the little addendum that I really want to encourage everyone, you know, parents, catechists, single people, uh, it really, elderly people, if you're 72, um, it really is about what it means to be a human person. Very well said. Uh, thank you again. Thank you so much. Um, and uh, thanks, everyone, for watching. Uh, the recommended resource, uh, The Body Reveals God by Katrina, that is on our website right now. If you go to uh, store.parusiamedia.com, search for this book, you'll get that. Uh, but it's also a recommended resource that goes nicely with the Academy. So, again, finally, you've heard it from Katrina herself. It's for everyone, um, young and old, uh, anyone out there to, to know what it is that it is to be human. Uh, learn learn more in this scuba dive into theology, buddy. I'm super excited about it. Can't wait to see people's reaction when they learn it for the first time. And I'd love to hear your feedback as well. So thanks, everyone. That's another Perusia podcast. Uh, and I'm Shabal Raish. And until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.